Our scripture reading this morning comes from portions of the fourth, fifth, and sixth chapters of Exodus. You can follow along in your own Bibles or on the screen in front. Hear the word of the Lord. From Exodus chapter 4, verses 27 to 31. Now the Lord had said to Aaron, Go out into the wilderness to meet Moses. So Aaron went and met Moses at the mountain of God, and he embraced him. Moses then told Aaron everything the Lord had commanded him to say, and he told him about the miraculous signs the Lord had commanded him to perform. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses, and Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. And from Exodus chapter 5, verse 22 to chapter 6, verse 8. Then Moses went back to the Lord and protested, Why have you brought all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people, and you have done nothing to rescue them. Then the Lord told Moses, Now you'll see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name Yahweh to them. And I reaffirmed my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan, where they were living as foreigners. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel, who are now slaves to the Egyptians, and I am well aware of my covenant with them. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Please be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Yumiko. I'm one of the pastors here at High Rock Brookline Church, and welcome to the Sunday service of Marcel Fellowship Church and High Rock Brookline. I am very excited to study the Word of God today together with you. In a passage Victoria has just read for us, we see two different Moses. Moses, the, from the first part that Victoria read, from the chapter 4, is phenomenal, right? Moses, with Aaron, faithfully delivers God's message to Israelites, which leads the people to worship God and to believe God. Moses receives the message from God and turn to God's people, the Israelites, and deliver the message as he received, right? 
This is exactly what a prophet's supposed to do, a textbook move. This is an awesome job, Moses. But on the other hand, I think that Moses in Exodus 5, the second part uh, Victoria read, is subpar at best as a leader, as a prophet, and even as a believer, I might say, when the Israelites blamed Moses and complained to Moses, instead of reminding the people of the message God has given to the people, when he was attacked, he turned to God and blamed God and said, God, why? Why have you brought all this trouble to your own people, Lord? Why did you even send me? They're not listening to me. They're not listening to you. You have done nothing to save these people. The difference of those two Moses is like a night and day, right? What happened to Moses? Pharaoh happened. Pharaoh speaks louder, and that's so much more in this Exodus 5 that we didn't actually get to read, but if you have a Bible with you or the Bible is in the back, you can feel free to open it up and read it through. He does most of the speaking. He does most of the action in Exodus 5, and that's what happened in the middle. And everything he says does is summed up, it can be summed up in this first words of Pharaoh. Who is this God that I should listen to? And this is not a question. This is a statement of defiance from, from Pharaoh. When Moses brought God's request to let his people go, his, Pharaoh's response was not just to refuse Moses' request, but also to refuse to acknowledge God, to recognize God with his arrogance, with his inhumane treatment of the people, in abuse of the power, Pharaoh rejected not only Moses' claim of God, but denounced God. Who is this God that I should listen to? I refuse to acknowledge this God. My people, what are you talking about? These are mine. These are my people. They're not here to worship this God. They're not here to worship you. They're here to serve me. These are mine. And the Pharaoh was right. When Pharaoh mercilessly increased this workload on the Israelites, the Israelites were crushed with this burden. Their spirits were broken. God's message delivered by Moses did not rescue the people. It led them to peril. Pharaoh had an overwhelming power over the lives and hearts of the Israelites. But God, on the other hand, did not. He did nothing. No miracles, nothing. God actually doesn't even speak a word in this chapter. So in front of Moses, there is truth and there is reality. On one hand, Moses believes the truth of God. God is God of compassion who hears the cry of the people, 
who promises to rescue people. And Moses has experienced God as God of creation who has control over all things. But at the same time, Moses cannot deny this reality over here. What the Israelites is experiencing and what they say, that says otherwise. Pharaoh denies that a God is in control. And the circumstances and realities right here seems to validate Pharaoh's claim. The truth that Moses believes right here and the reality that he sees, they don't make sense. If the God of compassion would just keep the Israelites from suffering one minute longer and sooner and would exercise the power as the God of creation to deliver God's people from this suffering in front of Moses' eyes, then this truth and the reality lines up nicely and things are much more simple. But that was not the reality of Moses' so. The people have not only been kept in slavery, but their burden has also increased significantly. God called Israelites, my people. But the Israelites would rather be called the servants of Pharaoh than to be called my people by God. So one could look at this situation right here and conclude that Pharaoh's right. There's no God. God is not who God said God is. But for Moses, this current situation right here, undeniable reality alone, were not enough to negate what he has experienced what he has seen. The presence and the power of God was as real to Moses as the reality of the pain of people. So then Moses finds himself in quite a conundrum, right? He's, he believes in God, who is compassionate and mighty, who promised to rescue God's people, but the deliverance is not in sight. Moses believes in God, but can deny, can't deny the fact that a God does not seem to be in control of the situation. So Moses cries, Lord, why have you done evil to these people? You have not delivered your people at all. And perhaps that is a cry from some of us today. I know that is my cry. I remember one, this one night, long time, long time ago when I was in grad school, uh, one evening in a hotel at a border town called Poipet. It's the border town between Thailand and Cambodia. During that particular summer, I was working with the trafficked children who were forced into illegal um, labor or sexual exploitation. So as a part of that work, I spent this one afternoon at this brothel in Poipet. Um, I don't know how many of you are familiar, but late afternoon in brothel is not a busiest time. And so I was there and just there to um, meet the girls who work there. So we're just hanging out. They're sharing snack with me. We're watching this Chinese drama and I was teaching them a little phrase of Japanese and they're trying to teach me um, Khmer, the local language to me. We're having 
point in time, and, but it was getting late, so it was time for me to go. So I was getting ready to leave, and I was standing up and saying goodbye to these girls. Um, this man, uh, young man, got dropped off by a motor driver, it's like the taxi driver. Uh, he was like mid-20s maybe, he looked like Northeast Asian. Uh, I thought maybe he's Japanese from the way he dressed. And when a brothel owner, so this man got dropped off, he walked out from the back of the brothel. They started chatting, and they were a little bit far away, so I couldn't hear what they are saying. But after a few minutes of chat, this owner just motioned at the girl, one of the girls was saying goodbye to you, and she walked over to them. And by then, I realized this man came to buy a girl, and he just purchased a girl. very angry, disgusted, and I, I just decided to stare at him because I thought maybe if I stare hard enough to reveal how I feel, maybe that would shame him, that would make him embarrassed that he might walk away. He just kept avoiding eye contact with me, and they started walking. He and this girl started walking. I didn't know what to do. I didn't like what I saw. I wanted to help her. But I didn't know what to do, so I just followed them about like 30 meters behind. So it's not right behind, but there's enough distance. But I kept walking and thinking, what do I do? What do I do to save this girl? What do I do to make him know that this is wrong? I thought maybe I'd just go up and yell at him, like, what are you doing? I thought maybe I'd just go up and reason him, like, hey, um, it's not cool. Like, maybe that will help. <laughs> I thought, maybe I'll go up and offer, hey, here's the money, leave her alone. But I thought, like, well, then he'd take that money, go back to the brothel, so that doesn't help. Um, I thought, like, well, maybe I'll take a picture of him and, like, find out where he's from and shame him, send it to his family, friends, work, and that might teach him a lesson. But then I don't have a camera. That was before the cell phone. I just didn't know what to do, so I just was just angry and trying to decide what am I going to do? And I didn't know. I just kept walking and I'm following them. And I realized they're heading to my hotel. I guess it turned out that where I was staying is where he was staying, which is disgusting. But he walked in. I followed him and then went up on the stairs to his room. My room was the first floor, so I couldn't go up. And I just watching him go up with her. And they didn't know what to do. So I went into my room. I, was, I didn't know what to do, so I just lay on the bed, so angry. As I'd never been that angry that my body was shaking. I was so angry. I didn't know what I can do. And I was still thinking, like, what can I do? What can I do? And that moment, as angry as I was with this man, I was more angry with God. She and I, God made both of us. The truth that I believe tells me that a God loves her as much as he loves me. He made both of us women. He made both of us to be in this room. And as that truth was real to me, 
But the reality that both of us are in was so different, especially in the moment that as I was laying in a bed in this hotel and in some other room in the same hotel, she was laying on a bed probably in a very different situation. The reality of injustice and the truth that a God actually loves her, I just could not make sense. I pray that a God would do something. Maybe he would change his mind. Maybe he, God will make, wake him up and realize how wrong of things this man's doing. I pray to God that a God will rescue her some miraculous way. Act, I pray that a God will act as a God of compassion, act of justice, and, and a mighty God, God who saves. But a God... Remain silent. Nothing happened, to my knowledge. And this moment, at this moment, if it's not her, many other children, women and men, were still enslaved for the sake of fulfilling somebody's instant sexual gratification. On that night in a hotel in a pulpit, Moses' cry was my cry. Lord, why? Why? Why do you let this happen? Why have you done evil to this people? And why you haven't rescued her? You haven't rescued these people at all. And that cry is still in me. And imagine that many of you have moments like this. When you see oppression, when you see injustice, when you see suffering and pains in the people you care and you love, and you beg God to do something, God to deliver them, and God seems silent, absent, irrelevant to the situation. Or maybe for some of you, it is you who is in need of deliverance. Maybe it's a deliverance from this constant pressure of life. Maybe the deliverance from the struggle with sickness, depression. Maybe from a broken relationship. For you, your cry may be, Lord, why? Why have you done this evil to me? Why? You have not delivered me at all. And just like you, Moses believed God, the God of deliverance. But he didn't see the deliverance from God for the Israelites. And just like us, Moses was confused and frustrated. He wants to know why the things are the way they are. And just as we often do in absence of had a suitable candidate, we just turned to God and blamed God. And that is when God speaks. Not to provide an explanation why God hasn't delivered Israelites right then and right there. I'm not even sure Moses' frustration was 
appeased by God's words. When God speak, it didn't change the situation, didn't improve the treatment of the Israelites. It didn't give meanings to the pain of the Israelites either. When God spoke, God's words simply revealed who God is. God is a God of Israel, who was and is and will be with the people of Israel. God is the God of covenant, who is committed to the people of Israel. God is God of compassion, who hears the cries of people. And most importantly, God is God who saves who will, and who will deliver the Israelites. And as we learn in the uh, coming weeks, truly, God is God who saves God saved the Israelites from the hands of Pharaoh and a freedom from oppression. God controlled the nature, part the Red Sea, and ch changed the hearts of a Pharaoh who refused to acknowledge God. And God continued to save the Israelites from so many different variety, impossible circumstances. Daniel, he was, when he was thrown into the lion's den and there was no way out, God sent an angel to save his life. When Naomi lost her husband and her sons and lost all the hopes of her family, the line of Elimelech, to survive, God sent Naomi and gave a new life to save this family of Elimelech. Even when the Israelites were not worthy to be called God's people, after they made so many mistakes, after so many times they walked away from God, God still brought them out from Babylon to Jerusalem through the foreign king Cyrus. God saved the Israelites from oppression, saved their life, saved their family, saved their nation. God delivers people of Israel from impossible circumstances over and over and over and over. Except for this one time. It was about 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, a young Jew was put to death for the crimes he did not commit. On the cross, bones broken, skins ripped, he cried to God for help. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus cried out to God, there was no deliverance but absolute silence. Because God so loved this world, God did not save Jesus, whom God loved deeply, and so Jesus died. God did not save Jesus from this impossible circumstances. God did not speak to reveal who God is. God didn't reveal God is God who saves, but Jesus did. The death of Jesus, his broken bones, and his, his body and his blood revealed that a Jesus Christ is God who saves. Jesus conquered the impossible of death and saved us from our sins. Moses received God's revelation and the words spoken to him. And today, we see God's revelation in the death 
of Jesus. And of course, most of you know this already. You know God saved Israel so many times. It's in the Bible, right? You know that Jesus saved you from sins. Many of us have actually experienced the deliverance from our sins through Jesus Christ. And that's why we call ourselves Christian, right? Christian, bear the name of Christ. And that is the reason why many of us are here today, I hope. So I didn't think that I would bring anything new, any sort of new revelation in today's message. But as simple as this, and as, as obvious as it is, and as much as it doesn't make perfect sense, this familiar truth is the message for us today. The God is God who saves. That is the message for us today. And just like Moses, maybe some of you are in a dire need of deliverance right now. Or maybe even if you're not today, you may find yourself in a place you are in need of deliverance. Caught in between of the tension of reality and the truth. And you may not see no way out. For some of you, perhaps the circumstances that you may need your deliverance from is something a little bit more subtle. You may feel like your spiritual life is fine, but your faith and your life is missing something. You feel like your life, a church or life of faith and life, everything else is disconnected. You may not have this fire in you that passion for Christ. You're not angry with God. You, you're not disappointed. You believe in God, but you're just, I don't know, you're just kind of like, fine. And whether you need a deliverance from peril or place of complacency, the knowledge that a God saved the Israelites the knowledge that a Jesus saved us, that knowledge alone might not get you off from where you are. But a God, God who saves, God saves you. So I encourage you to ask, if you find yourself in a situation like that, for deliverance, boldly, with the confidence, ask for deliverance. I can't tell you how and when that deliverance will come for you, but I can tell you that God is God who saves, who loves you, who died for you, and who redeemed you. So ask for the deliverance. Ask God for deliverance. And boldly ask for the deliverer, the Savior, to reveal who God is to you. Ask God to show who God truly is, God who saved you, and a God who will save you. Let me pray. God, we give you thanks 
and praise for you, for your mighty hand that saved, saved us from the weight of sins. We ask, we lift up people in our mess today, the people who believes in you, who clinging on to you. But it seems like everything in their life is just saying, no, God is not there. God is not going to help you. Pray the protection for those people. May you give them a strength to hold on to the truth that you are God who saves. And Jesus, thank you for your cross. And thank you for the assurance that comes with the cross. God, thank you for your word to remind us that yes, nothing even the peril, even the complacency, nothing can separate us from you. Thank you for your word that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate from us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We thank you. We love you. We ask for the deliverance for the people who are in need. We ask for the deliverance for the people who are under the oppression of racism today in this town and beyond. We ask for, Lord, for the deliverance for people who wants to be closer to you. Thank you, God. Thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise team, I invite you guys to come up and lead us.